This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon to everyone. I hope you had a nice Labor Day weekend. And uh, certainly a lot of things happening today, particularly on the Iran Treaty. I watched the rally that was held in D.C. right on the steps of the Capitol. It was organized by Ted Cruz, and Donald Trump was there. Sarah Palin was there. And there was some kind of disruption of the rally that uh, had somebody arrested. I'm not sure what that was all about. But I listened to what Ted Cruz said, and I listened to what Trump said. And uh, basically, Ted Cruz had the right idea. The Republican leadership in Congress can do things to try to stop this from happening. Probably won't work because Obama would ignores the law. He ignores the uh, balance of powers. He ignores Congress. But there are several things that they can do. And what Cruz was suggesting was is that since the entire agreement has not been turned over to the Congress, and of course he's talking about the side deals, uh, since the entire agreement has not been turned over to the Congress, that is what the legislation called for, the Corker legislation, was that the deadline for Congress to act begin to run when all of the in- information about the treaty, or agreement as they're trying to call it, all of that was turned over to Congress. Then the deadline began to run. Well, the deadline they're claiming exists now is the 17th, uh, which is uh, basically next week. And Cruz is saying that they can delay the votes because of this and say that, therefore, the treaty cannot be voted on or passed or adopted or disapproved. But it's going to be delayed anyway. The president has now used his powers of persuasion or his threats or money because we know the Iranians have been uh, lobbied, has been buying off some of the U.S. senators involved here, some of the Democrats. But he has convinced 42 U.S. senators to violate their oath of office, which has become normal for a lot of them, and to filibuster this treaty to make sure that it never comes to a vote. Now, it requires 60 senators to vote to end a filibuster to bring something to before the United States Senate. Mitch McConnell was the minority leader in the Senate when several times the Democratic leader of the Senate, Harry Reid, used what's called a nuclear option. Because, see, the Constitution doesn't set up that 60-vote limit. The Constitution provides for a filibuster. This is a rule that was adopted by the United States Senate itself. And as a rule has generally been applied, I think it's wrong, because I think that denies the American people our right to representation. The fact of the matter is, is that if they want to do a traditional filibuster, that's fine. Basically, where they keep talking until everybody gets tired and goes home is what it boils down to. But this rule denies us our right to have a majority, a simple majority of the United States Senate vote on legislation. Now, Harry Reid used what's called a nuclear option, where he basically said, okay, on this vote, for federal judges, 
or other things, we're going to go back to the original rule of 51 votes will pass legislation. We need to do that here. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about a bill that involves allocation of money for research grants or talks about uh, something involving the economy or you know some minor thing, creation of a new federal agency. We're talking about legislation that involves the protection of the United States of America. It involves our country's freedoms, our children's future. It involves the loss of all of that. It involves the destruction of Israel, the destruction of many of our European allies. Just today, the Ayatollah in Iran came out and said that Israel will cease to exist within 25 years. He vowed to continue attacking Israel. He vowed to continue attacking the United States. He vowed that no inspectors from the United Nations or anywhere else would be allowed on Iranian military bases, which is where they're building the components for the bombs. Obama's fine with this. But then Obama's pretty much fine with anything that radical jihadists do. But now we have 42 members of the United States Senate who are fine with this. And Mitch McConnell, who is the leader of the Republicans in the United States Senate, the majority leader, also appears to be fine with it. Now, understand that if he goes with a nuclear option, the legislation, there will be a vote on it, which the American people are entitled to. This idea that we need to be kept in the dark and not know what our senators are doing because Obama wants to protect his fellow Democrats, that's unconstitutional. We have a right to know how our U.S. senators vote and how our members of the House of Representatives vote people of Israel would like to know that too. The Jewish lobby, Israeli lobby in this country, I'm sure would like to know it also because they give a lot of money to Democrats. By invoking the nuclear option, we would get a straight up and down vote on the legislation. It would be defeated. It would not be approved. And then Obama, under this spurious deal that was made, again, with the help of the Republican leadership and the most of the Republicans in the Senate and in the House, or at least many of them, not necessarily most, under this agreement that was made, the Corker legislation, Obama can then turn around and veto the negative vote by Congress. You know, I wrote an article the other day that I posted <clears throat> on my website and blog at Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-O-Y dot Jigsy, J-I-G-S-Y dot com, that was an open letter to Congress from a veteran, 
an American military veteran, i.e., for me, because I am a veteran. I still have two sons serving. My dad was a veteran. I've written a best-selling book on uh, his unit in World War II called The Mortarman, which you can buy through my website or you can buy on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, virtually anywhere out there. So I come from a military family. And I wrote this article and basically recounted the oath that I took as a member of the military, that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now, I point out in this article that members of the United States Congress also took that oath using the same words that they would support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. No one ever told me that once I stopped being on active duty in the military or in the reserves, that I was relieved from that oath. No one ever told me that I could simply decide not to abide by that oath. That oath is with me for life. And that's the way the vast majority of my fellow veterans feel. Yet the Congress, members of Congress, particularly the Democrats, feel that they have been absolved from being loyal to the Constitution, or loyal to their country, or loyal to the American people. They have decided that their first duty is to be loyal to a political party, the Democratic Party, or in some cases the Republicans being loyal to their party, being loyal to special interest groups, such as the Iranian lobby, such as Planned Parenthood, or foremost, being loyal to the President of the United States, blind loyalty to a man who considers himself a dictator. That's the same type of blind loyalty you had in Germany when the Nazis took over. You had it in the Soviet Union under Stalin. You had it in Cuba under Fidel Castro. You had it in China under Mao Zedong. And you still have it to a great extent in certain countries around the world. The blind loyalty to a dictator. Now, no one says Heil Obama, Obama, but they're doing the same thing just without the Nazi salute. They're doing exactly what he wants, and they're doing it despite the fact that many of them know, because they're not dummies, many of them know how dangerous this is going to be for the United States. But they don't care. They figure, well, it'll be 10, 15 years before the Iranians get the bomb, and maybe by that time I'll have retired from the United States Senate. And it won't matter to me. They've decided they can trust the Iranians. They've decided they can trust Obama. They've decided they can trust Hillary Clinton. By the way, it did interesting that she came out today in a speech and took credit for the Iranian treaty and wholeheartedly supports it. She thinks it's a great thing. 49% of the American people 
was the tree. Only 20-some-odd percent support the treaty. 21% of the American people support the treaty. The scariest part of the survey is that 30% of the American people don't know. They don't even know there is a treaty, apparently. Yeah, we had, during the American Revolution, one-third of the colonists... wanted independence from Great Britain and support of the revolution. Another approximate one-third opposed the revolution and supported the crown, supported King George. And then you had another third that remained neutral. A lot of businessmen that wanted to sell to both sides of the revolution. Today, we have basically, as I see it, about a third of the American people who are patriotic and support the Constitution, about a third who wanted to see this Constitution destroyed, and another third who don't even know we have a Constitution. We'll talk more after this break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Think about that. 30% of the American people, approximately one-third, don't support the treaty or disapprove of the treaty. That can only be because they're ignorant about the treaty. They don't know. They don't know what's in the treaty. They don't pay any attention to the news. That approximates the one-third during the American Revolution that remained neutral. Why is that happening? Because this is Obama's cannon fodder. These are the people that the Democrats rely on the people that don't know anything. And the reason they don't know anything is they haven't been taught anything in school. They haven't been taught anything by their parents. They are the ones who are blissfully ignorant. 
many of them are probably receiving government, the government dole, the form of welfare. So they don't want to know anything that might disturb their way of life. 30% of the American people don't even know what's in this tree, don't know what's going on. And how many of those who support the treaty know how many American lives have been lost because of the Iranians supporting the insurgents in Iraq during the war in Iraq? There's different numbers out there. The uh, Pentagon says that about 500 American soldiers were killed by IEDs where the principal components were supplied by the Iranians. By a general in Iran, who was basically declared to be a terrorist and was not allowed to travel, but whose all the restrictions are being lifted under this new treaty, that he's going to be allowed to do whatever he wants. And he's already broken the, the terms of the treaty because it wasn't supposed to, it hadn't even gone into effect yet, and he went and traveled to visit Russia, Putin and Russia. But the figure is between 200 and 500 Americans died and over 800 were wounded by these IEDs. The Iranians are responsible for killing American soldiers. Now under this treaty, we're going to give them $150 million, $50 billion, excuse me, $150 billion so they can go out and sponsor terrorism around the world and kill more American soldiers, kill more Israeli soldiers, kill civilians, men, women, and children. Since when do Islamic jihadists care about who dies? The more death there is, the better they like it. So we're going to have them going forward with money that we are basically giving them because that money's been seized. They're going to be going forward with their acts of terrorism. They're going to be supporting Hezbollah, Hamas. They're going to be supporting the terrorists in Yemen that are taking control of that government. By the way, remember, that was the shining star for Obama. That was the proof that his foreign policy was working. You had a government in Yemen that was backing the United States helping us in the fight against terrorism. Well, that government's gone. It's now been replaced by rebel forces, jihadists supported by the Iranians. The Iranians are involved in Syria. They're supporting Assad in Syria. They're involved in Iraq. They're not supporting ISIS, supposedly, but they're certainly not fighting ISIS. So we have the Iranians out there who have killed American soldiers, who will kill or assist other people in killing more American soldiers. And we have a third of the American people who apparently don't know about this. But guess what? The members of the United States Senate and the House of Representatives know about this. 
And they took an oath to our Constitution, to us. And by the way, something I'm going to be researching in the next few days is really very scary. I had a, a follower of mine here in Texas write to me and say that they had passed on my article, Veterans Open Letter to Congress, to a Republican congressman here in Texas, and I'm not going to say his name yet because I don't have proof of the you know, evidence that this actually happened, although I have no reason to disbelieve this, this man. And basically was told by his legal counsel, the congressman's legal counsel, that the oath really was meaningless, that the only oath in this country that's enforceable, that it means anything, is the oath that you take to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth when you're in a courtroom. That's not what I was taught. That's not what I understand the oath to be. I could be court martial. could have been court-martialed by the U.S. military had I violated my oath of office, had I given aid and comfort to the enemy. I did something to try to destroy the Constitution. There are federal criminal penalties that apply not just to the military. There is the Uniform Code of Military Justice. But these are federal criminal penalties in the U.S. statutes that apply to anyone who takes that oath of office, whether they be a federal employee, a state employee, or a local government employee. You can be fined up to $10,000, and you can be put in jail for up to a year for doing anything to denigrate the Constitution of the United States or to try to destroy the Constitution of the United States. And here we have a Republican congressman coming out and saying the oath is meaningless. Well, if the Republicans are saying the oath is meaningless, you know that the Democrats have decided long ago the oath is meaningless. So is that the excuse they're going to use? Is that the excuse the American people are going to let them use? Is that the excuse the veterans in this country, 23 million of us, are going to let them use? That our oath of office means nothing? that the sacrifices we made for this country mean nothing, that the Constitution of the United States means nothing. I mean, these same Democrats who have gone out and are basically supporting the potential death of our country are saying the oath is meaningless. They are providing aid and comfort to the enemy in the form of monetary aid, in the form of relief from sanctions, in the form of allowing the Iranians to inspect their own sites. You know, that's one of the side agreements with the United Nations. The Democrats are allowing this to happen, and the Republicans are allowing this to happen. In my open letter, I send it to everybody in Congress. I just didn't send it to the Democrat members of Congress. It's not directed just to them. Because the Republicans in Congress passed this deal allowing this legislation or this treaty to go before Congress, not as a treaty, which is required by the Constitution of the United States. If you read this document, it's a treaty. It falls under the classic definition of treaty. It is an agreement between two or more countries 
that is long-lasting. And this thing's supposed to last at least 10, 15 years. So is the treaty. As a treaty, Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution requires that it be ratified by two-thirds vote of the United States Senate before it can be put into effect and enforced. That's two-thirds vote of the United States Senate. Obviously, you got 42 Democrats at least that would vote for it. But that's not anywhere close to two-thirds. So the treaty will not be ratified if submitted to the vote required by the Constitution. Submitted to the Senate that is required by the Constitution. Not going to happen. Obama knows this. So the Republican leadership of Congress, because this was basically their idea, told Obama, we're going to let you off the hook. We're not going to sue you to force you to abide by the Constitution. We're not going to demand our right to represent our constituents as we're required to do under law and to vote on this treaty. We're going to allow you to call it an executive agreement and have you submitted to Congress for an, a vote to disapprove. Not a vote to approve it, but a vote to disapprove it. And if that negative vote is a result, if that vote pass, passes, you can then veto that action by the United States Congress, and it will take two-thirds of both houses of Congress to override your veto. That means 34 United States senators that stopped the veto from being overridden. And we know there are 42 Democrats out there who favor this treaty. They've been bought off by the Obama administration or bought off by the Iranians or both. Or they just are communists and they want to see this country destroyed, which is my theory behind a lot of them. Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution of the United States allows the President of the United States to veto legislation passed by Congress. And then it takes two-thirds of the Senate and two-thirds of the House to override that veto. What have we got here? We've got that provision of the United States Constitution being turned on its head, turned upside down, essentially being amended by the Congress of the United States without going through the process that's required to amend the Constitution. An amendment to the Constitution must be passed by two-thirds of both houses of Congress and then submitted to the state legislatures where three-fourths of them have to agree to the amendment. Either that or there has to be a constitutional convention called among the states to amend the Constitution. Those are the only two methods available for amending the Constitution. Yet the Congress of the United States just did it on its own, and it did it is an idea of Republicans, and it was pushed by the Republican leadership, and Republicans voted for it. It simply abolishes Article One, Section 7 of the Constitution and allows Obama to veto a negative vote. Let's take our second break now. Who is or what is USJF? 
It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Now think about what we were talking about just before the break. That is that Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution has been changed by the Republican leadership in Congress where the Democrats and the Republicans got together to provide enough votes to change the Constitution, to amend the Constitution. What happened to their oath of office? To support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. They have now become the enemies of the Constitution. They've amended the Constitution to allow the President of the United States, Obama, to veto a negative vote by Congress. There's no provision in the Constitution that allows that. There's no legal precedent that I can find, no court to Supreme Court case that allows it. It has never been done before by the United States Congress. Yet we, the people, the people went out and voted in 2010 to take over the House of Representatives for the Republicans. In 2014, to take over the Senate for the Republicans. That was done so we would have leadership and people in the Congress of the United States that would, in fact, abide by their oath of office, that would protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, support and defend it. It's not happening. This whole Idiocy has been orchestrated by Mitch McConnell and John Boehner. 
we have the Congress of the United States basically handing the reins of government, i.e. a dictatorship, over to Obama. Because think about this. Okay, we now will have a precedent where the President of the United States can submit virtually anything he wants or she wants, if Hillary should get elected, God help us, but submit anything that he wants to the Congress, legislation to be passed. And say that's on gun control. Say the President, Obama comes forward, because you know this is one thing we know he's going to push for big time before he leaves office, if in fact he's even planning on leaving office. But that's another topic. But suppose the President of the United States, sometime in the next couple of weeks, submits to the Congress proposed legislation outlawing the private ownership of firearms in the United States and ordering that all American citizens who own firearms turn them into the government. It would clearly be defeated in both houses of Congress by the Republicans. But then, say it's defeated. And then Obama vetoes that vote and tells the Republicans, sorry, you've already given me authority to do this, so I'm vetoing that vote, and I'm putting this legislation into effect unless two-thirds of both houses of Congress override my veto. The cat's out of the bag. The door has been opened. Obama could do this, and with a makeup of our Supreme Court, if we file suit and we get to the Supreme Court, I'm not sure they wouldn't say, well, Congress, tough. You authorized this once. You can't now unauthorize it. You basically changed the Constitution. And since the Supreme Court also changes the Constitution on a whim, Congress can change the Constitution on a whim and give almost complete authority to a dictator in the White House, and we're not doing anything about it. At that point, we are living in Nazi Germany, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I've been attacked for parallels, talking about comparing Obama to Hitler and comparing the Democrats in this country to the Nazis. Read your history. Look at the history of Nazi Germany. Look what happened after Hitler became chancellor in 1933. And he was technically not elected to that post by a vote directly for him. There was a vote for the Nazis that gave them authority in parliament and that appointed had him appointed as chancellor. He used that authority to become a dictator. He started out by nationalizing the entire health care system, believing that if he could control access to health care for the population, he could control the population. Sound familiar? Then he decided to start disarming the German people, beginning with the military veterans. Because the German soldiers who had fought in World War One had taken basically the similar oath of office the one that I took as a member of the United States military. They took an oath to protect and defend their country and their constitution. 
not an oath of office to protect Adolf Hitler or to defend Adolf Hitler or to blindly obey Adolf Hitler. So they had to be disarmed, and they were. And then eventually the entire German population was disarmed. But now we have Democrats in the Congress who have basically changed their oath of office to say that we now hold our entire loyalty is toward Barack Hussein Obama, our Fuhrer, our leader, our emperor, whatever the hell he wants to call himself. I don't care. He's a dictator. He's a communist. He's a Muslim. He does not believe in the United States of America. He hates the United States of America. He always has. We don't even know where this guy came from. We don't even know where he was born. All of a sudden, he came out of nowhere and was elected to the state senate in Illinois, then elected to the United States Senate in Illinois, then runs for president of the United States and gets elected president. The guy's never worked a day in his life at a real job. We don't know anything about his family. We don't know anything about Michelle Obama, really. We don't even know if those kids are really theirs. I know some people have been trying to research and find out the birth certificates, find the birth certificates of two girls. They can't find any record, basically, of these two girls. Anything that can be substantiated. But the man is now in control of the United States. And the Republicans in Congress, the people that we elected to stop him, the people that promised us that they would reverse Obamacare, would get rid of Obamacare, that they would stop the executive orders, that they would stop the runaway regulations by agencies like the EPA, and stop the IRS from targeting conservative groups. None of that has happened. None of it has happened. We were told they would defund Planned Parenthood. Not going to happen. Mitch McConnell's already said that they were going to try during this session of Congress. All of their eggs are being put in basically one basket, and that is we're going to wait on everything until 2016 or 2017 when a new president sworn into office and hope that that is a Republican president and hope that we can maintain control of the Senate and the House in the next election. Then and only then may we, we may try to do, because there's no guarantee, some of the things that we were elected to do. You know, this, this thing with Donald Trump, and I'm, since I'm an executive director of the United States Justice Foundation, which is a 501c3, Organization. By the way, that also means that if you donate to us, you go to usjf.net and you donate to us, then you contributions are tax deductible. But since an executive director, our organization will not endorse a presidential candidate. And although I'm told technically, legally, I could probably endorse one as an individual, I'm not going to do that because I know how the media would take it. I know the IRS would probably grab a hold of it and say, okay, you, you violated your 
501c3 exemption because your executive director endorsed the candidate. And even though I will point out that it's not on behalf of the United States Justice Foundation, since when does that stop the federal government? In any case, I'm not endorsing anybody, but the phenomenon that's happening out there with Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Carly Pinrero, shows that the American people are basically fed up with our politicians. Now, this is Republicans that are looking at it at this point. All the polls are showing right now that Donald Trump would beat Hillary Clinton in the general election. But it shows that a lot of the American people are getting fed up with the politicians in both parties. They know we're being betrayed. They know these people are violating their oaths of office. They want them out. Whether or not that will happen with presidential election, I don't know. But in the meantime, the people that are in office right now, and I'm talking about the Democrats and Republicans, the people that are in office right now need to obey their oath of office. And if they refuse to do so, and we need to hold them accountable. Somebody needs to start prosecuting members of Congress for failing to uphold their oath of office. States or legislatures ought to be passing laws that would allow the states to prosecute federal office holders or state office holders for violating their oath of office. Regardless of what the legal counsel for a congressman in Texas says, the oath is not meaningless. The oath is important. It's critical. It's part of the fabric of our constitutional republic. That when you raise your hand and you take the oath, you are going to live by that oath. You're going to abide by that oath. You're going to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. It's not happening, and it's not going to happen unless we, the American people, step forward and force it to happen. Let's take our final break now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog. 
for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You know, I really hope I'm right in this and that the American people are getting fed up. And not just the Republicans, but there are going to be people out there who identify themselves as Democrats who have to be concerned about this too. And independents, people who don't identify with either, either party, have to be getting concerned. America is being brought to its knees. And we have an all-out assault going on against our freedoms. I mean, we have Kim Davis, a clerk of court, being put in jail for refusing to sign off on gay marriage or marriage certificates for gays. Now, you hear a lot of talk about, well, it's the law of the land. The Supreme Court said so. Ladies and gentlemen, understand, the Supreme Court of the United States does not make laws. And what they say in an opinion does not necessarily become the law of the land. It becomes legal precedent. The Supreme Court is also made up of justices who took the oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The Constitution sets up the Supreme Court. It gives them limited jurisdiction. It's primarily set up to settle disputes between the states or between individuals in different states. It took upon itself the idea that it could interpret the Constitution and declare whether or not laws in this country were constitutional or unconstitutional. By its decision on the gay marriage issue, the Supreme Court said, no, we are now taking it upon ourselves to make new laws, to amend the Constitution, which the court has no authority to be involved in at all, but said we're going to amend the Constitution to include in it something that the Founding Fathers not did not even mention, that Congress has never approved, that the states have never tried to approve through a, an amendment to the Constitution. We are going to find a constitutional right to gay marriage. 
As I said, the Constitution never uses the term marriage. It never talks about marriage. That's because the founders of our country did not feel like the federal government should have any control over marriage. To them, in their minds, marriage was basically a religious institution, a religious ceremony, and the churches were responsible for allowing people to get married. Or the states could be involved by requiring marriage licenses and certificates, allowing certain judges, state courts, the local judges to marry people. So they were looking at this as something that the federal government had no authority over, had no interest in, nothing. Yet we have five unelected lawyers on the Supreme Court decide that that is in the Constitution and gay marriage is therefore constitutionally protected. And that freedom of religion, which is in the Constitution, which is constitutionally protected, freedom of religion goes out the door. Freedom of religion is meaningless if you don't do what you're told to do by the federal government. When they refused, the Supreme Court refused to hear the Kim Davis case, they put another nail in the coffin of the Constitution because they allowed open season on Christians in this country, open season to persecute people who do not agree with their decision. Their decision is not the law of the land. The law of the land is the Constitution, not what they say ought to be in the Constitution, or they think belongs in the Constitution, or they would like to see in the Constitution. The law of the land in this country is the Constitution. It was set up and drawn up so that there would be limited powers for the federal government. There are limits on Congress, there are limits on the President, there are limits on the courts. So we have Kim Davis, who goes to jail, because she refuses to violate her religious beliefs. Now, a federal judge, of course, is the one who put her in jail. The Supreme Court basically allowed it to happen. She's not disobeying the supreme law of the land. She's disobeying an illegal order by five men who have not even been elected, or five men and women who have not even been elected to their position. What she's doing is basically, and by the way, remember she's a Democrat, what she's doing is basically the same thing our founding fathers did, and that's ultimately declare that we will not obey a dictatorship. We will not obey the crown anymore because we are not protected by the crown. We don't have representation in parliament. Therefore, we will not obey what amounts to a dictatorship. It's basically what Ken Davis is doing. Now, supposedly there was an accommodation made that she wanted and now, I heard one of her lawyers on Fox News earlier today saying, well, 
That's not really what they wanted. They wanted something else. I hope they're not going to just use this as a celebrity tool for the lawyers or for Kim Davis. She needs to stick to her guns, but if they allow her to have her name removed from the marriage licenses and it be issued under some other authority than her authority, then she's won at that point. Don't keep beating a dead horse, particularly since the media will use it against you. Obama will use it against you. But, you know, this is, this is really what's happening here with Kim Davis is just the beginning. Christians are being persecuted around the country. $135,000 has to be paid by the owners of a bakery that refused to make a cake for a gay wedding. Because of their Christian beliefs, they're being pounded. They're being hounded. The state of Oregon has gone after them. The state of Oregon ought to be cut off from the United States and left to float out to sea. It has become the workers' paradise. It is the People's Republic of Oregon. They don't longer believe in the U.S. Constitution. They don't believe in their own Constitution. They believe in dictatorship. They are Obama's kind of people. California has virtually become the same way. Freedom of religion in this country is under all-out attack. And unfortunately, the religious leaders in this country, many of them are not saying a word or even supporting it in some cases. I was, for many, many years, I was a member of the United Methodist Church. And I attended it regularly. I was leader of scout troops for the United Methodist Church. I was involved in the church. And then a few years ago, I didn't leave my church. My church left me. It had always been liberal-leaning. But then all of a sudden, at my local church, the minister decided that the families who were in the church, the traditional families, were no longer of any real significance. That the, the church was going to cater to illegal immigrants, people who had come in our country and broken the law, and to gays. That was going to be the focus of the church's outreach. That was going to be the focus of the church, the focus of the sermons, the focus of everything. I said, no, I don't think so. I don't want to be a part of that. So I left. And that's what disturbs me now, is the churches here are not standing up to defend Christianity. Many of the evangelical churches... They just they consider themselves above the election process. They're not even going to vote. If you don't vote, you're going to lose your rights. Read my little booklet on our, Constitu- our Constitution. You can get it, and you can order other copies of my other books through my website at Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-O-Y dot J-Z dot com. And the little booklet on the Constitution, I take each article, each section, each amendment to the Constitution, I put them in the way they originally written, and then I write about what they really mean. I put my comments on them. People are ordering this for distribution to schools, to give out in clubs, to just hand out to friends and neighbors. It's only you go on the web, 
site, my website, or you can go to www.constitution.jigzy.com, and you can find out there how to order numerous copies of substantial discounts. It's a $6 book, basically. But a lot of people have ordered it from our third printing now. We've got thousands of copies purchased. You could also go to usjf.net and find out what we're doing on a number of fronts, the United States Justice Foundation, what we're doing to assist our veterans. 307,000 veterans have died awaiting treatment at the VA. That's more than all of the military members who were killed in Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, and the War on Terror combined. Killed by our own government. So go to USJF.net and support us. And thank you for being with me today. I look forward to talking to you again next week. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Watchdog.